0: This is data driven Formula One, and um, yeah, Gana Pogrevna and Patrick Hans here.
1: Hello,
0: <laughs> hi, um, hi Patrick. Um, so, today, you know? today we're discussing uh, 1956. Uh, we are already at 1956, which is great, <laughs> exactly. And um, yeah, interesting season as always. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're <laughs> and,
0: right. With uh, Ferrari, I think mostly dominating the season, right? And uh, uh, again, um, yeah, very, very interesting in terms of kind of Ferrari bouncing back after uh, uh, after 1955 and everything that happened there. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, me too. And uh, I think we had uh, quite a similar moment of uh, disruption that we had in uh, 1952. The uh, reigning champion uh, left um, the championship. Uh, in the beginning, it was Alfa Romeo leaving. Now it was uh, Mercedes-Benz leaving after um, the happening in uh, Le Mans, this uh, really bad um, Accident, which uh, about uh, eighty-three people killed, which uh, made Mercedes uh, rethink their uh, strategy and uh, to leave motorsports for many, many decades. So uh, Ferrari uh, used uh, the new uh, vacuum, and uh, they um, and also similar uh, to a quite uh, disruptive moment. That uh, Lancia lost uh, also tragically their number one driver. Also struggled financially. They took over the Lancia D50 and uh, did some changes and uh, details, and maybe we see it a little bit later. And started now with the Ferrari Lancia D50 this season.
0: Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, as so, so you can see, uh, pretty much. Uh, I guess. I guess if if uh, if you guys are watching uh, the. The, the series from the beginning, uh, yeah, very similar picture to 1950s uh, in terms of uh, locations, like yeah. several locations, like we said, we've lost, uh, like Spain, Switzerland from previous years and so on, but now we have, well, in essentially uh, quite... Uh, um standard uh, circuits that we still observe to date (laughs) Uh, you know argentina monaco uh, belgium yeah france uh, uk germany and uh, italy so yeah so these are kind of traditional circuits and uh, yeah very interesting uh, run for ferrari Mm, and uh, with some success of maserati and uh, again no surprises in the States. Offenhauser, oh, it was used to be Curtis Offenhauser this year. It's Watson Offenhauser taking the um, the lead. Um, if I'm not mistaken, 1956 is the first year when we have Constructor Championship. So in that
1: was no, the... 58?
0: Was that in 58? Okay, maybe yeah. I'm, I'm, um, yeah, apologies. Yeah, I thought it was <laughs> no. already. I thought it was that year, but maybe yeah, we, yeah, I think I think you're right. So. Yeah. So, um, but I
1: think it's the uh, it's the last year where we have uh, changes uh, where the drivers could uh, change change the elect- cars.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Indeed. Yeah. 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 That's right. 1958. Uh, it was when uh, they switched to the uh, constructor championships, and yeah, indeed, this is kind of yeah. This is this is it. The last year when uh, drivers could change the, the makes. Um, yeah. So. Uh, uh,
1: I mean besides this uh, um, one of the names is quite uh, common quite known uh, for our viewers um, Juan Manuel Fangio he was doing uh, most of the polls fastest laps uh, uh, he won also the most uh, races even if there have been uh, some uh, competency the Maserati was not that far away and practically the championship was open until the very last uh, um, weekend in Italy and especially this was a very interesting um, race we will come to this later
0: yeah but essentially uh, if yeah if you if you noticed in the table I think yeah if you looked at it there was Juan Manuel Fangio basically in pretty much uh, of course not all uh, <laughs> not not all s- cells in there, but almost in all kinds cells. And also, uh, yeah, indeed, uh, you know, sometimes he's shown as driving Ferrari and sometimes he's shown as driving Maserati. And indeed, that was because you still could kind of do these switches um as a driver I mean the I guess the good thing is that you know he still kind of had a seat uh, despite the fact that uh, Mercedes uh, was gone so we know how it you know for some people it didn't work out in previous seasons so you could have been a champion and not have a seat the next year because the, yeah basically the the team wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be running. And then, yeah, we also observed in, in that table um, Sterling Moss. Um, but we're going to talk about this <laughs> uh, shortly. So, yeah, so I guess so we can yeah, just Exactly. Start and
1: to, uh, just to add, um, Juan Manuel Fancho had this experience uh, himself as uh, he won the 51 uh, championship, but as Alfa Romeo left uh, 52 he was without a seat. Uh, he was participating in one of in some of the non-official Formula One races made some good uh, connections to Maserati uh, to have a car for the next year, but practically at 52, he was out of the championship as the reigning champion. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah, so I mean, and here you can see uh, a a picture of uh, Sterling Moss and Maserati in 1956. um uh, yeah and uh we will we will look at different makes obviously. <laughs> yes. Um uh, but uh, but indeed I mean I think um if you if I mean we will get to the legacy of the season um uh, at the end of this episode but I guess yeah it probably is the first season that was uh, completely dominated by one driver. I mean if if in, in the previous yeah. years it was mm-hmm. mostly um, mostly the car, let's <laughs> say. Yeah, well, right? no,
1: I mean, uh, we had uh, the, one was it, the 52 season where Alberto Ascari... Ascari, was
0: yeah, there. but it, again, it was the same, you, you, you know, it was the same, pretty much just the, the same car, the same make, more or less, but still. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, but, uh, I mean, also, and we will see the... Uh, in, uh, when we discuss the different uh, races... I mean, if you already start here with uh, Argentina, uh, as expected, I would say Ferrari dominated the uh, practicing and even the qualification, uh, even if Maserati in the race trim uh, was uh, very near and uh, and even dominated the early race. And uh, something interesting, um, and I think we not saw this in the uh, earlier uh, championships, is. Um, uh, Fancho got a technical uh, problem. Uh, his uh, fuel pump uh, was not working anymore. Uh, so he had to go uh, to the Spitz and he got the car from his uh, teammate uh, Musso and uh, for me for me, quite interesting. So uh, at that point, um, Fancho was already an experienced and successful Formula One driver. So, quite similar to today's uh, championship, uh, he had a clear number one uh, position, which includes if he has a problem uh, with uh, the car, he, or even did a driving error, he would go to the pits and uh, could grab uh, different one car. of the cars from his uh, colleagues.
0: Yeah. And for that reason, we have two people mentioned in, uh, in a win- as a winning driver for the first races because, in, indeed, Luigi Massa was, uh, um, was driving the car originally <laughs> before <laughs> he kind of lost it <laughs> in the middle of the race, yeah doesn't happen anymore so these days if you're out you're out and you have to just sit it out if you uh,
1: you... exactly and uh, maybe uh, without uh, him uh, changing twice the car in this championship he wouldn't have uh, won it Uh, I mean I haven't done the mathematics but let's say if he would have been twice uh, outside the points maybe the uh, the champion had been uh, somebody different
0: yeah yeah i guess that's an, an interesting calculation we could probably do that um i guess what we could do is uh, when when um, when we get to uh to the next season we can actually calculate the previous seasons uh with this kind of error margin <laughs> for ahead. switching cars and see what what, what could have been an, uh, an alternative result of the season? Had, yeah, you know, I mean, it's
1: a very theoretical question. Uh, but uh, I mean, interesting for me is um, that Fancho came with the clear number one position to, to Ferrari, something which we not saw in the previous uh, years where already in the first uh, race uh, there had been this preference uh, from the team to, towards uh, one driver.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly exactly but also a uh, very very good move for ferrari right uh, so again uh, we've talked about Enzo ferrari and um his vision and uh y- you know uh recruiting uh, fangio knowing that you know mercedes is out i think also was a good move uh, on his behalf so it's uh um uh, uh, yeah, it, it it's not. I guess it's it it it's it it's not very obvious, but you know, yes. it 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 was a good
1: move. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it. I mean, it was uh, a move uh, uh, with a uh, clear goal to win the championship. Uh, I mean, uh, it's no secret that Fancho and Enzo Ferrari have not been the biggest
0: uh, fans of a other. <laughs> uh, and
1: um, <laughs> maybe naturally because I mean Enzo and uh, Juan Manuel have been quite uh, some alpha men and. Uh, uh, so it, quite naturally mm. that win not was a natural fit and uh, not yeah, to give they took spoilers but uh French already left Ferrari after only one year
0: yeah yeah but uh, you know big egos but at the same time uh, you know uh, the sort of this drive to win and, and understanding that, uh, you know, you cannot win <laughs> exactly. in absence of each other. So, exactly. so, so again, we, when we talked about um, Fangio, we were saying that, you know, that he was a very calculating person. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, uh, also very interesting move uh, from Enzo Ferrari, who, uh, who I'm sure wanted to win and wanted to see it uh, to see the domination finally in this season and uh, yeah took an opportunity when he saw it as well so that's
1: yes and and, I mean uh, it was uh, I mean if you analyze uh, the decision uh, uh, making uh, based on on the uh, data on the information if we uh, remember 55 uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz was uh, dominating uh, but uh, the Lancia D50 it was a very promising car very fast uh, it had problems with reliability so and we see the same here in Argentina uh, the technical problems that Fancho had but it was the D50 was much faster last year than the Maserati so uh, for Fancho, if he wanted to win the championship uh, it was uh, Ferrari was the go to team And also for um, Enzo Ferrari, I mean, you may have a good car, but nevertheless, you always need a good driver. So taking him was also a very logical decision.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, that, uh, that, I guess, was the (laughs) Argentinian Grand Prix. And uh, now we can go to Monaco. Uh,
1: Exactly. And uh, finally, here we see uh, the uh, appearance of the uh, British uh, racing uh, car.
0: Yeah, 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 uh, BRM. uh BRM yes. is uh, yeah, so the the, the green cars. <laughs> <So> <laughs> exactly. The British uh, the race the racing green cars that we've kind of uh, showcased in previous uh, episodes so that was quite um, yeah, uh, That yes, uh, f- at the- first looked like they were just assembled in uh, in, in somebody's garage. Um, but yeah uh, gradually started to look like uh, competitive cars and um, w- we will talk about sterling moss uh, actually sterling moss was always kind of looking for uh, british um, make and uh, he, you know was not able to race in a british car for quite a while and you know eventually he was racing with lotus uh, and uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, kind of it was, um, I think, uh, a, a long journey for British uh, yeah. engineering to make it into so practically throughout 1950s, we can say um, they were trying to find, it, you know, the kind of typical British look and typical British uh, kind of some, some sort of tradition of, of British car making. Uh, in Formula One uh, and finally we started to see competitive, uh, competitive cars uh, in kind of late uh, uh, 1950s and then obviously, uh, you know, very good teams and uh, then we had eventually we actually have, well, eventually we had McLaren, <laughs> which we do have to date. Um, so that's, uh, that's a good, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good progress and indeed, um, Uh, We discussed with Patrick how, you know, in in previous seasons, how, you know, it was difficult to compete against Italians with, uh, you know, French cars or British cars um, being in the competition, but um you know so so it's always good to see that that diversity wins <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh yeah and uh, in that sense uh yeah this uh, the b r m the the entry from b r m uh, was a good uh w- yeah was was something that that was quite desirable in terms of you know uh, being able to see uh british uh, british engineering <laughs>
1: Yes and sorry I have to correct myself, uh, also here in, in Monaco um, uh, Fancho uh, had to take the car from his colleague uh, because in this time uh, th- uh, he had a driving error and he, he drove unfortunately against the harbour walls mm-hmm. so he went to the pit and got the car from uh, his uh, colleague uh, Peter Collins so in fact he changed uh, three times in this season the car and. You may do the mathematics. If there wouldn't have been the possibility to change car, it would be a little bit mm-hmm. unlikely that he have, uh, would have won the championship.
0: Yeah, like I said, I mean, uh, let's do the, calcul- yes. the, the proper calculation for next time. So okay. when when we and run. then then we, we will see <laughs> we will see what happens. And uh, that kind of uh, also questions uh, the results of that uh, fantastic study that we discussed earlier when they analyzed and said that Fangio is actually the greatest drivers of them all, and because he won four championships with different teams uh, that 's what they argued i think so but if you kind of yeah if you make a correction for these car changes and everything else, maybe maybe yep. the career wouldn't look as successful. I mean, we we do not want to say anything bad about Fangio, of course, I mean, great uh, driving talent, but uh, we're just talking about the result. The outcome would probably not be the same. If, uh,
1: well, we have some homework to do for the next, uh, yeah, not, definitely. maybe not the next one, but the season 57.
0: Yeah, yeah, 1957, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so next one, before next season, we promise yeah. we will show you the alternative the alternative results yeah Uh, and maybe it wouldn't change in some cases but in in some cases it probably would yeah Yeah.
1: then we are Um, as always uh, indianapolis uh, is always
0: uh, an outlier right (laughs) still very very still very american Uh, yeah
1: and again uh, no uh, european team uh, made uh, the effort to go to the u.s As we discussed earlier, first reason, uh, because um, the budget has been still very limited. So even uh, the teams from Ferrari, uh, Maserati, they really had to calculate if they really want uh, to uh, travel to the US. uh, And uh, of course, also with the additional factor that uh, to win Indianapolis, you really needed a car which was uh, specifically uh, designed for indianapolis uh, indianapolis and the kind of over uh, racing which the uh, european formula one cars clearly not had been so honestly even if they would have been there would have been no opportunity i think to really win uh, this race
0: yeah indeed and uh, uh another thing i guess that uh, the 19 like we discussed before 1955 season was quite disastrous in terms of deaths and uh, yeah. Indianapolis was one of the one of the places that was extremely dangerous to race and um, um yeah i just uh, my guess is it also was this um, kind of calculation of you know you need to ship the car there of some sort so you could could only realistically uh compete there if you had multiple cars ready to go uh, and also if you um Probably had more than one driver able to, you know, to to lead yes. this because sending your top driver didn't pay off as we saw with Ferrari uh, when uh, Alberto Ascari made uh, made his de- debut in Indianapolis and qualified, but you know he still didn't win. So I guess he wanted to be there for the win, not just for yeah. you know. He for, was for
1: quite far away from from between
0: yeah yeah exactly but i mean for i mean for obvious reasons i think it's just was very not not very feasible to to do this Uh, and uh yeah 1956 as mentioned on the slide was quite a special year because of the weather yeah and uh yeah so um, absolutely horrific uh rain started <laughs> and uh yeah y- y- you know it was uh yeah basically stationary standing water and uh um, mud and everything else and uh yeah there was a uh, there was a massive clean up, but still uh, you know the racing conditions were not great on the day and uh, uh, if you think that it's um, It was easier to race. I mean, uh, uh, in a sense, it was easier to overtake back back in the day. But uh, yeah, there was no safety car. There was no like precautions of any kind (laughs) back in the day. So yeah, it's quite a. uh, It it was just uh, quite a dangerous uh, dangerous race. But again, Watson, Offenhauser, and. we have a picture of the car there Uh, that one uh, was kind of came out on top um, uh,
1: maybe based on the uh, different awareness related safety maybe uh, the the organizers wouldn't have uh, started to race under such conditions if it would be today
0: uh, yes, I'm sure it would not even be uh, allowed yes. <laughs> by regulations. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, you know, we had we had several uh, races in the Formula One history with kind of similar conditions, and we will discuss it later. Races, especially what. Was happening in some of the races when we had the safety cars and how drivers were using the safety cars to kind of maneuver themselves to a, to, a, to a better position um, so in a sense it 's very interesting when we have rain because yeah if you are in inferior car, you have better chance a, if you are a better driver uh, so this, these are always very interesting races but Yeah, with the presence of uh, safety car and other precautions, it's uh, a little bit easier to cheat the system (laughs) and uh, use it to your advantage. And so recently we also started to have penalties for for this. uh, And uh, yeah, so we will definitely discuss that. But yeah. Back in the day, the point of showing, of, of telling you this, uh, this inf- giving you this information, is that you know, back in the day, if you had bad conditions, or bad weather conditions, you know, practically nothing you could. Yeah, there was no counter-factor, how, how, you know, how, how you can improve it. You just had to kind of deal with... Exactly. I mean, it
1: in the days, like in '56, it was uh, just uh, uh, to stay out in the car and to drive as fast as possible and stay uh, on the track. While today, as we have the physical um, safety car, the virtual uh, safety car, so uh, a lot of different options and uh, due to this, uh, all teams now using computers, algorithms to really calculate what is the best options to stay behind the safety car, go in, uh, change tires uh, and do whatever. And uh, one point that makes uh, Formula One a more complicated uh, related strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, exactly and
1: uh, i mean while we are uh, with the rain with this uh, we come also to belgium uh, the spa franco uh course inside the belgium
0: yeah un- it, and it rains very often there exactly where uh, <laughs> rain is
1: not uh, uncommon and uh, as we discussed a little bit that uh, fanjo was uh, lucky this season i mean uh, here in belgium he really uh, proved uh, his uh, class, I mean, he was driving uh, very fast and uh, uh, safe uh, in the rain and uh, here a clear uh, win for him as uh, he was not only on the best car, but also uh, I think he showed he was the best uh, driver in that season.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, that it's, it was raining conditions and uh, he had a little bit of uh, kind of... Uh, um, a, a competition with uh, sterling moss uh, you know and, uh during the race and, and still came c- came out first as a result of this race and uh, yeah definitely that's uh, a, a sign of uh, of quality as a driver um, because yeah you can only bounce back if your skill set is the, is right uh, exactly. in so this yeah, conditions he
1: really proved that mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this next uh, race uh, on the agenda was uh, France, um, not really that interesting race, uh, but uh, one uh, interesting uh, point here, it was the, phase, uh, the, sorry, the first and also the last time we saw uh, Bugatti in modern Formula 1. Not a very competitive car, also uh, as we're not speaking anymore about the original Bugatti company, but it was... Uh, i think the first uh, try to uh, uh, revive um, resurrect sorry uh, this uh, brand and uh, it was a very interesting car and that's why i want to speak a little bit more and focus on that car uh, later when we speak about technology even if it was not uh, competitive in that year
0: Mm -hmm. yeah 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 yeah. so very interesting uh, very interesting entry from bugatti and uh again uh, th- th- so also quite symbolic uh, that it was driven by by Maurice Trintignan. i think Maurice Trintignan did try quite a few <laughs> quite a few different makes um and um yeah so it was uh, it was quite a quite an interesting uh, addition uh, it's a, it's a shame that it really didn't continue um uh, but th- definitely um uh, you know, it would be nice to see uh, Bugatti kind of raise more, <laughs> but maybe it just wasn't, uh, you know, the, the focus of the company. And uh... Well,
1: I, I think uh, at, at that time it was the, the first um, uh, try to um, uh, resurrect uh, Bugatti who was already uh, closed down. So it was mm-hmm. uh, honestly, even if the name was very big, uh, it was a, a very small team with very limited budget yeah Is yeah good, so it, it probably idea,
0: but no budget yeah it probably was on that kind of the advertisement the advertisement uh kind of drive uh, um but uh, again you know interesting move and uh interesting uh, risk uh, taken by also Maurice Trentinian, who was a you know very well known driver and as we covered uh, his uh, his uh, performance in previous seasons, uh, won several races by, by that time and, uh, quite important races in, in some cases. So, you know, it was also a very interesting combination of, uh, driver and team, sorry, driver and make, uh, we can't really talk about teams at this stage, but yeah. So, quite, uh, uh, quite, a, quite an interesting event that season. Um,
1: Okay, and then uh, with this we come uh, coming to Germany, uh, the Nürburgring. Uh, here, Roman uh, Nomi-Fancho, just uh, to remind you, already 45 uh, years old, he uh, set a new uh, record, which uh, st- stood uh, for 70 years um, now, and was done by uh, Hermann Lang, in a Mercedes. And uh, you see here how really uh, how long the Nürburgring is, because the new record now is nine minutes. And uh, 41 uh, seconds. Uh, not only a very long course, but also a very uh, complicated course, practically impossible uh, to remember all the, uh, the curves, all the uh, breaking points. Uh, it's very, very, uh, really. I had once the pleasure uh, to go uh, to drive on it, and it's a very difficult course and real experience. And uh, due to this, also known as the Green Hell. <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, uh, when you were talking about this, Patrick, I also thought, you know, like currently we see a lot of uh, kind of speed speed records uh, being broken in uh, Formula One, but uh, really um, they don't look as exciting as they used to look. So, you know, you know that the cars go faster, but Um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, yeah, basically, again, we will talk about this separately, but a lot of factors contributed um, to the fact that the current races are not as exciting as they used to be. (laughs) Uh, Most of it, of course, uh, relates to safety and, you know, regulations, of course, it's very important. Uh, Safety is extremely important, but also you know, the fact that how the, the circuits are chosen, how, you know, you uh, build cars, uh, with, uh, so it's a lot more difficult to overtake uh, in, in in the current conditions. And uh, yeah, so so all these, these factors kind of contributed to visibility of the sport. So sometimes um you know when when they say oh actually today you know this record was broken and you were thinking well at least i'm thinking you know back in the kind of 90s when this was done by <laughs> you know some uh by, by michael schumacher or someone like this you know you're thinking no oh, how how uh, how it you know, I remember, and it was like really cool to watch. And now it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, another record broken, fantastic. Um, so yeah, back in the day, obviously, it was a lot, uh, uh, a lot more exciting, and, and um, you know, it was a new sport, and it was um, scarcely covered on TV, like we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, races almost never were covered in full. It was just uh, like you could only see some <laughs> news, <laughs> news pieces uh, and only for selected races. So um, definitely uh, a record, like a speed record was a bit big deal.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, with this, we already come uh, to the final in uh, Italy, uh, Monza. And uh, as we already discussed, I mean, very interesting. uh, So, um, Fancho and Ferrari had been dominating. I mean, nevertheless, uh, Maserati uh, with Jean Berra still had, well, not a big chance, but still a theoretical uh, chance uh, to become the champion. Mm -hmm. And even uh, Peter Collins, um, uh, the second driver for Ferrari, still had a theoretical chance uh, to uh, win the championship. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, the uh, situation, the setting for the Grand Prix of Italy. And uh, as shortly already mentioned, uh, Fancho again had a technical uh, problem while uh, Brera was uh, with the Maserati without uh, problems. Uh, uh, Ferrari, the team, wanted to do what uh, they did uh, in the first two races, uh, get not only Fancho inside the box, but also... Uh, another of the drivers Uh, so first they asked uh, Luigi Musso which had no uh, possibility to become champion that year Uh, uh, Musso already gave uh, Fancho the car in the second uh, race in uh, Monaco Uh, but as you know uh, driving as an Italian in Monza and having the possibility to win uh, Monza this wasn't something uh, what he wanted to uh, give up, so he refused mm-hmm. uh, the advice by uh, by the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ferrari couldn't uh, do this, so they asked uh, the mm. uh, uh, the other one, uh, Peter Collins, uh, which, uh, as mentioned, still had theoretical sh- uh, opportunities to become champion, and let's say as. Uh, uh, typical fair British uh, sportsman uh, he went in and gave uh, Fancho the car and uh, due to this uh, due to this um, uh, Moss uh, won the race uh, but uh, Fancho still scored enough points uh, to secure the championship the champi- champ- himself.
0: yeah yeah so um another thing is yeah so it's so exactly i just wanted to kind of um uh, i think you misspoke about the first the first race uh, peter collins uh, uh, g- so peter collins gave his car in this in in the second race on the first race it was it was uh, yeah yeah so it's kind of yeah but anyways um in, indeed and uh, that's that's right so yeah it would uh, probably the championship uh, result would have been different uh, but in any case, uh, we do see Fanja dominating the, the kind of the charts in 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 this um, season, and you're absolutely right, Patrick. It's probably mostly because you could switch cars and jump into into your uh, teammate's car uh, at first best opportunity. So that's kind of uh, one of one of the important. Uh, Changes that we will see throughout the history of the sport when you know you no longer can do it, and that obviously affects your chances of winning uh, so another thing that I wanted to kind of uh, draw people 's attention to is uh, so you can actually see a picture from one thousand nine hundred and fifty six there. Um, and, uh, if you remember how it was, um, prior to 1955, we had quite a, quite a lot of people again standing, <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> like on the track. Uh, so here you have, uh, basically only, uh, yeah, journalists or, you know, people who are directly, uh, related <laughs> to, to, to the technical team and, uh, the, the, um, uh, yeah, the viewers are quite sectioned off at the top or, you know, on the side of the track. So that that, that is a big change from uh, the previous seasons. And you could see kind of how it evolved because it used to be pretty much, you know, <laughs> no protection whatsoever. So definitely... Uh, despite the tragic events of 1955, the sports learned uh, the lesson out of it. And that's kind of, a, I just also wanted to say that this is kind of also the, the attitude of formula one that they um, always try to take the, um, you know, the tragic events of some accidents and some, some fatalities um, in, a, in <laughs> yeah, in, in a sense, in a, in a, in a very, um, constructive manner and uh, think through what can we do differently how can we improve the processes how can we improve uh, the conditions and uh, you know the the fact that we see the differences in these circuits uh, so quickly like it it, i think it's quite a um, quite a cool thing about uh, this particular sport so in some sports we you know we have repeated events uh, repeated fatalities and nothing happens uh or repeated injuries and nothing happens but uh, you know here the good thing is that uh, everything happens very quickly
1: exactly and uh, of course uh, they asked uh, peter collins uh, if it was hard for him uh, to give the function the car and uh, i mean his answers uh, quite uh, tragically if if you know that uh, he will die uh, very young i think just uh, two years later so he just yes. said, "I'm young and still have many opportunities to win the championships," mm-hmm. which unfortunately he not had. Um, it w- it would have been his uh, his first and uh, only. As tragically, he will die very young.
0: Yeah, in he he passed away he passed away in Nürburgring in in 1958, right? And that's that's when. Um, Mike Horton was uh, the champion, and um, yeah mike I think we when we discussed Mike, uh, we said that Mike partially retired because of because of that death as well, mm-hmm. and indeed that was a big um, you know big loss and uh, uh, yeah I guess you that's uh, that also shows you how how uh, how fast things go. <laughs> Yes. in formula one and how you cannot really rely on next season you have to be the best today and uh, yeah indeed it's very challenging if you have these types of rules
1: um, exactly because many things have to come together it's, it doesn't help you if you're the best driver but if you're not uh, in a competitive car then it's mm. not a year the year for you
0: exactly exactly uh, well uh, another um a, 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 another character in this uh, in this um, uh, race uh, sterling moss on the other hand lived uh, <laughs> a long life uh, so he only passed away this year yeah. and uh, yeah so i think uh, uh, that's another person who well uh who probably didn't plan to, you know, didn't didn't plan to last long in the sport in the first place. Uh, you know, couldn't find uh, uh, his seat uh, easily and all that, and uh, yet uh, you know, kind of lasted a very very long time and uh, uh, did commentary for Formula One and uh, all sorts of other things. So that's kind of how, it just tells you how it's all a combination of skill and chance really uh, you can be very skillful but just very unlucky in some situations and um yeah, yeah.
1: Let's, what is this? let's speak about um, the cars the cars <laughs> exactly and uh, the dominating car was the lancia uh, ferrari d50 um, not surprisingly as uh, mercedes left and also uh, in the last year This car already looked uh, very fast, uh, based on his uh, special uh, setup. So uh, as you see, he had uh, the fuel tanks uh, left and right, so it had a much uh, better weight um, uh, um, separation, which helped uh, making the car quite uh, good to drive, quite easily. Um, This photo, I also had the opportunity to take in the um, Ferrari Museum in Mugello. Uh, uh, As I've mentioned uh, before, as the team has such a long uh, history, they do not have cars from each year, but practically they only have uh, the winning cars there, or at least uh, one uh, of these cars if they have been a longer series. So, there's just one Ferrari 500 and there's only one Schumacher Ferrari because if not, there would not have been enough space. Uh, If you take a close look on this car, and this is quite uh, interesting, you see it doesn't have the Ferrari logo uh, quite uh, uh, on the nose, but still the Lancia one. And also, uh, you see it doesn't have, uh, it is not the car which Ferrari used in the 56 season, but this is really original 1955 um, Lancia D50 only mm-hmm. it uh, got the Ferrari logo on the side so um, and also something which we discussed uh, earlier uh, many times the cars didn't survive because as the budget have been uh, limited the car used uh, them and recycled them and that's maybe the reason why Ferrari don't have uh, anymore any 56 uh, model Uh, So they put in the museum the uh, 55 and maybe they just put the Ferrari logo um, or also it could be that this was a presentation uh, model because uh, similar as uh, still today, uh, the team wants to present its drivers, it wants to present its sponsors. sponsors, So sometimes they use uh, the car from the season before and just give it, the new numbers uh, put on the new colors logos and put the new drivers uh, beside, to just to present this and then maybe some weeks later they really have their new car together mm-hmm. so we just can speculate it but this is uh, really a ninety fifty-five model and not a 56
0: mm-hmm. yeah and that, and despite all the like uh, uh, oh, so we've discussed this already, but yeah, I mean, this, despite all the resistance from Enzo Ferrari with regard to aerodynamics, we still see this kind of <laughs> the the nice aerodynamic kind of uh, wings. <laughs> yes. uh, I don't know what the, what to call them really. Yeah. So kind of the wings are, yeah, yeah, this... Uh, Nice um, things on the side, panels on the side. That kind yeah, of, exactly. Right? I
1: mean, not only aerodynamics, but I think it helped uh, the weight uh, distribution mm-hmm. for this car. And uh, uh, also, as we discussed in, in an earlier episode, even if Enzo Ferrari was quite resistant uh, to have to focus on aerodynamics, uh, if such ideas uh, come uh, came uh, from uh, his friend. Um, Uh, jano uh, in this case uh, then he was open uh, to um,
0: to try things Mm. to consider it right yeah yeah, that's right
1: and uh, speaking about aerodynamics as i said i had to use some models because Mm. uh, there was no real 56 model in the museum and also here you see uh, some aerodynamics i mean honestly you don't see it on on the first view but there had been two versions of the 50 uh, one which you see on the left uh, is the short nose uh, mm-hmm. a little bit untypically uh, this to make us a uh, longer it was already quite common uh, in the years before but so normally but normally it was in, in the back so you have the short tail or the long tail versions in these uh, in the prototypes but in this uh, case the Engineers uh, went to the other direction and made a short nose and a, a long nose. And the long nose was, had been more for the high speed tracks, like, for example, a Monza. Mm-hmm. And the short nose, uh, and this uh, model is from the Syracuse uh, Grand Prix for in '56. one of the many non official races we had uh, still every year mostly before uh, the races but also sometimes between the races and also something interesting uh, you see here the driver is uh, Fancho but he's not starting with the one but with the four because this was no championship uh, race and due to this there was no uh, reigning championship so he went to zero crews like any other drivers and he could not use the uh, one as uh, in the races, which have been officially counting to the championship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, and we uh, are lucky,
0: um, and we are lucky that uh, that Patrick has all these models in his collection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> not something uh, you will see. Yeah, cool.
1: Exactly, and you see, this is the uh, uh, the car which then did more in the official races, and this is the long nose honestly you don't see it uh, much difference uh, in the photos Mm -hmm. but if you would see them uh, right besides uh, Mm -hmm. you see this nose is a little bit longer and also if you see uh, here it is like uh, one complete car it's not Mm -hmm. so separated as in the uh, 55 so this is the difference of the 56 uh, uh, related to the uh, 55 the original lancia uh, e50
0: Mm very interesting yeah yep, cool thanks yeah it to 250 like i said used to in milk kind of for quite a few years (laughs) from 1954 all the way until 1957 really with some minor modifications and this is 1955 again used in 1956. uh, uh,
1: uh, Very interesting I mean even if Maserati used this car for many many years it's still uh, it always stayed uh, quite competitive it had been never had been far away maybe with exception of 55 so the cars had been quite uh, competitive and uh, with a little bit more luck maybe they would have also won the championship with that car
0: yeah yeah we discussed uh, that in 1955 that how unlucky really maserati was uh, with um with the season, but yeah, I, I think it's a beautiful car. It's like one of the best, uh, <laughs> one of the best like earlier cars, in business. Uh, I I hope that uh, Ferrari fans will forgive me, but uh <laughs> but uh, definitely uh, uh, you know it's uh, it, it's it, it is a it is a great racing car, uh, very um, very flexible and very competitive and also very nice make uh, so yeah in, in in on all counts uh, very nice uh, very very nice car again this is from um Coventry Transport Museum which i hope will stay open despite brexit uh, because it was largely financed by by um the european union and uh, is located in the UK, so we will see how it goes with COVID and everything else. But uh, definitely, a very nice museum. And if you get a chance to, to, to go to Midlands for 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 some reason, I mean Coventry, uh, there is not much to see in Coventry. But <laughs> definitely, the Transport Museum is is worth, uh, worth a visit. Yeah. Exactly. Oh okay. yeah, B R M
1: right and finally uh, some british uh, car the british racing motors p25 mm-hmm. again not very competitive that years but as we all uh, know uh, british uh, cars will become quite dominating in the years to come
0: yeah it uh that was uh that was a long journey surprisingly but i think it was because uh, you know um the Brits were competing, there are a lot of local races in the UK and uh, in Ireland and, you know, I think people were competing in a lot of other things. It's just, uh, I think, uh, uh, originally the focus of British uh, British engineering was not so much on Formula One. Um, so, like we, we've, we've seen Curtis car last time and, uh, you know, it was uh, mostly kind of um, Not, not, Yeah, it was not made for for Formula One, Uh, so it took uh, British cars quite a a lot longer, let's just say, than Italian cars to become competitive, but nevertheless, uh, um, I think the cool thing about uh, British engineering is that there were so many different makes originally, and then it was really interesting how they would kind of converge on something. Uh, and uh, yeah, d- yeah, definitely BRM was uh, a stepping stone in that, so it's good. So we we saw already some Coopers if uh, you remember in previous seasons, uh, but I mean uh, you know BRM was definitely kind of the stepping stone into kind of uh, into developing this British look and British make in 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 yes. uh, racing.
1: Yep, and with this uh, we come into the blue, the
0: Yeah, good. Honestly,
1: uh, we see here the Gordini Type uh, 32. I I mean, honestly, if you look at it, it looks very good, looks quite clear lines. But unfortunately, it wasn't that uh, successful. And also, I mean, for them, it uh, would be a long way because if you speak about uh, Gordini, we are speaking here about uh, like a predecessor for Renault, which should become successful i mean decades later
0: yeah but i guess it also i think renault um, it was really you know um, the the success it like we discussed before it's always a combination right right of driver make and the manager Uh, and eventually like i know that breatore is a very very controversial figure and we will talk about him i'm sure but uh, I mean, uh, you have to give it. Uh, you you know, you give to you have to give a credit to the guy. I mean, he could he could definitely he can definitely manage <laughs> a team. Um, so in that sense, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a good combination of. Uh, you know the engineering so i mean renault was a good combination of the engineering thought and and, and, and the driving yes. and the manage, managerial talent there so um so definitely um that that is a long way to go so not everyone is lucky to have Enzo of ferrari from the start <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. so but uh yeah.
1: But I mean, also to be fair, I think uh, the limit, uh, the budget was uh, very limited, yeah, indeed. limits your, pos- your engineering possibilities, but also your uh, possibility to get uh, a good and expensive driver.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, attracting driving talent was, was definitely uh, an issue here.
1: Yeah. And uh, with uh, this, as we already uh, shortened uh, mentioned, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the Bugatti Type uh, 251 doesn't look uh, like a real Formula 1 car. Yeah, it
0: doesn't look like much. <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, I, I just really think it was, uh, it was cool to have Bugatti in Formula was- 1.
1: I, I agree, and also to be honest, uh, this was no '56 uh, car. Uh, this car was already developed in '55, and uh, mm-hmm. that year was used in the uh, non official uh, Formula One races. Uh, and uh, and uh, in this year '56, it was only used in this one race, their home Grand Prix in, in France. And uh, we may speculate why this the reason maybe just for the fans or maybe they well, tried uh, to find an yeah. investor for the company because it was very small. And honestly, uh, they not survived financially.
0: Yeah. And I think it also was probably the, so some of it was uh, to some extent the personal decision of Maurice Trintinian to kind of, you know, uh, to try it because, you yeah. know, he already had some, He already had some wins and, you know, he was just uh, probably trying things out and and, and, uh, why not experiment at this stage of the season, uh, you know, in a Bugatti car. Yeah, I think it was just uh, uh, maybe maybe also a combination of uh, his decision making of what he wanted to do (laughs) that season, yeah.
1: Exactly, and uh, I mean, why uh, uh, we wanted to speak a little bit longer about that car, beside that it wasn't really competitive, is it? Uh, it is the first time in the uh, modern uh, Formula One championship uh, that we see a car where the engine is behind the driver, something which will be introduced uh, in, in the 1960s, and uh, uh, of course, uh, this was the way to go, and uh, with this, uh, the Bugatti... I think was quite in the tradition of the original company who was uh, very uh, advanced in engineering and uh, ideas, but maybe in this case, just uh, uh, the budget was uh, missing. Um, So it was really the first uh, rear engine car, which we saw uh, in the new time of modern uh, Formula One. But nevertheless, if we uh, think about the uh, pre-war, Uh, racing it was not the first time and uh, quite interesting this uh, 55 Bugatti was designed by Giacchino Colombo Uh, Ferrari fans may know um, this name because uh, he was the engineer who um, uh, designed the very first uh, 12 cylinder Ferrari uh, engine and also before that he worked already for Alfa Romeo and here he worked together with Alfredo Ricard Uh, and they did uh, this 1940 Alfa Romeo Tipo 512 Uh, very strange looking uh, car I can tell you because I saw it uh, in person in the uh, Alfa Romeo Museum Uh, interesting story to this 512 this car really never raced Uh, as we discussed in the 55 uh, episode um, uh, the Alfetta, the Alfa Romeo um, 158, uh, it was a very old uh, construction. It was started in the end of 1937, raised in 1938. And uh, the idea was that in 1940, this Alfa Romeo should replace uh, the Alfetta, which, due to the Second World War, never uh, took place. And even after the uh, the Second World War in 1915 Alfa Romeo decided against this more uh, modern approach uh, for their racing but wanted to go but uh, with the originally 1937-1938 uh, Alfa Romeo 158 maybe because of the experience or may or maybe that may not have been convinced that having the engine behind the driver was a good idea mm-hmm. uh, We don't know why, but at least this uh, 5012 never uh, saw uh, a race. Mm -hmm. So so, uh, really, uh, uh, Colombo rediscovered his own uh, idea and recycled uh, his own idea, which he did uh, nearly 15 years ago already for Alfa Romeo. But uh, even this uh, uh, 1940 model was not the first uh, rear-engine car. But if I'm not completely wrong, it was this 1936 Auto uh, Union Mm Type-C. Auto Union is uh, today known as uh, Audi. And really this car was quite successful and dominated the 1936 Uh, races even if there was no championship at that time so if we we know the races before the world war not a new idea but it took uh, uh, modern formula one like uh, five years to see a first time a rear-engine car and as we all know this uh, is still dominating up to today
0: yeah, exactly, and uh, I think it was kind of became only started to become mainstream by 1961 when they all kind of started to switch to this idea. But yeah, indeed, I mean, if you if you compare the the, the Alfa Romeo car that you just showed and the South Union car, I mean, in this at least in the South Union car, you can see how it uh, kind of functions because uh, the rear uh, wheels and kind of you know the, the rear make is a lot heavier, I guess, on the, the front. Um, uh, at least uh, in terms of, you know, the balance um, and uh, yeah, the, 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 the Alfa Romeo is a little bit, you, you kind of wonder how does that work on the road, <laughs> must be
1: quite challenging to drive. Yeah, uh, maybe this was the reason why Alfa Romeo decided against, maybe mm. because it wasn't really drivable, I mean, mm. you don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in uh, I think in dry conditions it probably would be okay. But like, yeah, I wonder how you how would it fare and you know if it's a little bit slippery. That that would be an yeah. interesting <laughs> an interesting test. Uh, so I bet someone someone uh, has driven it and you know so they tested it probably and probably still still uh, uh, something you can drive. But yeah uh very interesting how how that would work
1: yeah. yes and this uh, exactly was the reason why uh the ferrari hesitated uh, even after they used uh, the rear engine cars or the middle engine cars in formula one to use this concept also for their uh, uh their uh, road automobiles uh, because it it is faster but it's more difficult to drive and that they hesitated uh, to really uh sell uh, rear engine cars uh, for a while until of course they started uh, doing it and mm-hmm. still do it uh, today
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah mhm and then yeah, Coop, cooper. cooper
0: bristol that we've discussed uh, quite a lot already yeah again green uh, in in british green and uh, uh yeah cooper actually uh yeah like we uh we discussed before he yeah, was present in, in formula one for a while and was kind of marginally competitive but uh, as you can see like yeah as we discussed earlier today it, more british cars meant you know you could you you could see like the emergence of like competitive uh, british engineering in the sport so yeah
1: exactly
0: yeah, and again, uh, Offenhauser car in the States. Yep. And, and again, completely different, looking completely different from European cars. Yeah. But kind of, you know, I mean, this one kind of already starts to remind uh, uh, a little bit of, you know, Maserati and Ferrari cars. So, yeah, so kind of like starting to look uh, uh, similar, but still, yeah, you could see that it was really made for racing on pretty much you know this the kind of predictable turns let's just say yeah, yeah. and uh, this more um simple kind of bullet-shaped uh, uh car yeah
1: exactly but uh, i mean simple but i mean it has very clear lines so mm-hmm. looks very, looks very fast
0: yeah, yeah, it is, I, I bet it is, it is, it would be challenging yeah. to like drive that in Nürburgring. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, but yeah, if you're more or less on a straight <laughs> straight road <laughs> with no. like a, f- a few predictable turns, that's, uh, that's probably okay. Um, yeah.
1: That's, uh, and with this, uh, we're coming... Uh... To people, yeah, I
0: know that we struggled to find uh, all photos. So this is probably the first episode where we don't have photos for people, but uh, you can find, like, if you Google them, you will find them. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, photos were proprietary. We couldn't really obtain uh, all the photos. But, yeah, I mean, uh, these are the folks that you've seen before, apart from probably Peter Collins. We haven't really shown you Peter Collins before, but, yeah, Sterling Moss and Fangio there. And uh, yeah, interestingly, Fangio and, and Sterling was raced for the same team the previous season. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so for, for sorry for, this, for the same car make previous season, but I mean in this case. Uh, Fangio was of course driving apart from Ferrari he was also driving Maserati and still in most was pretty much in Maserati <laughs> the whole way yeah. uh, so and then yeah and Peter Collins a very young guy as you can see 25 years old and... uh,
1: I mean you use uh, CD, uh, CD uh, this uh, change of generation uh, Fangio looks uh, I, I not want to say uh, like the dinosaur but there are two <laughs> difference between the second and the third so he could have been uh, quite good. Uh, his uh, their father.
0: Yeah, but we still uh, have seen uh, some, uh, right? Some, yeah. uh, some, some senior, uh, senior yeah, see, drivers uh, up until probably, yeah, nin- yeah, well into 1960s, I think. That's so probably until 1970s, there were quite, uh, cause there were several kind of senior people there.
1: Exactly. There and we, I mean, we also see this uh, here with Pat uh, Flaherty, who had been uh, 49. That year yeah
0: Jean Bira, we have discussed him and Eugenio Castellotti again we've talked about this folks before, yeah yeah, um, Pat Flagerty again got his chance uh, in in, in um, Indianapolis and used it and uh, as you remember in the previous season, we basically lost uh, the uh, the majority of competitive uh, uh, yeah, drivers in in the states unfortunately right and and uh, he uh, no doubt is a very very talented guy and um, uh, there is in, in indianapolis museum you can see uh, like information about Pat, and definitely very uh, also very cool person
1: <laughs> yeah i mean as you see very irish not only the name but also the clover
0: yeah 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 (laughs) indeed (laughs) kind of showcasing the american irish irish american tradition and uh, uh, yeah so um uh, uh,
1: also he uh, he he suffered an accident uh, uh, i think uh, shortly later which we practically retired Uh, yeah but Mm -hmm. also i mean to be honest he was already 49 and i think after this he got like a private uh, racetrack for cart Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, said that uh, if there are some uh, visitors wanted, uh, he sometimes drove uh, against uh, the, ga- uh, the guests on his own uh, racetrack, mm-hmm. as uh, he was the owner. And still, even if he couldn't uh, compete uh, or uh, due to his age, uh, I mean, he really enjoyed uh, motor racing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so one of the one of the good stories, I guess, uh, when you know you retired instead of. Uh, instead of being killed on the road like many people that we've seen many talented drivers and uh, you know in american uh, in american racing um yep yeah so here we go <laughs> again uh yeah paco goji and uh, some Hongs. Uh, so there are there are i mean it's difficult to get kind of paco's uh, photos but uh, yeah sam is definitely you can you can get the photos from uh from the indianapolis museum pages and uh, yeah again uh, look at the age differences uh, from 25 to, to 42 on this page mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh for paul, paul frere uh, there as well so uh, again another like really it, nice uh, uh, character
1: <laughs> it is uh, and uh, i mean uh, especially uh, for Ferrari, fans he's very well known because he was like he was not really a, a professional uh, driver most of the time. He was uh, often, uh, he was asked for the long endurance uh, races as you need uh, three or four in, in your team. And he was asked uh, to join the team. To substitute
0: as uh, yes, a substitute driver. Yeah, yeah, and also maybe
1: because he wasn't as fast as a fun show, but he was very reliable. So, you could uh, give him uh, the car and uh, he would not uh, destroy it. And uh, besides uh, this, he also was uh, a journalist. um, So, and he had a very good technical understanding. And there's uh, one uh, interesting uh, story related uh, to Enzo Ferrari. And uh, you know, uh, we discussed it a little bit uh, uh, earlier in in the episode of uh, Enzo Ferrari. Uh, one of his most famous quotes is that aerodynamics are for people who don't uh, know how, how to, to, do to make engine.
0: a, a gen- oh, engines.
1: <laughs> and this was, exac- <laughs> this was exactly uh, in a scene with uh, Paul Freire. We, uh, it was at uh, Le Mans and uh, Paul Frere was uh, driving the 250 Testarossa. From today's point of view, one of the most beautiful cars ever produced, but... Uh, Paul Freire, based on his uh, technological uh, understanding, didn't like it that much because for him uh, the the window was uh, too stiff because it was nearly like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he was going to Enzo Ferrari complaining that uh, due to this uh, stiff uh, window, the car is not too too aerodynamic and would uh, use uh, too much uh, fuel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as uh, you know, Enzo Ferrari never was very open uh, against criticism, especially not criticism against uh, his car. So he always protected his car against the drivers, practically, or as a critics. Uh, And he answered uh, with that uh, quote. uh, Interesting, uh, at that year uh, there had been uh, three Ferrari teams driving uh, using this Testa Rossa And uh, two of them, uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't make it because they went out of uh, gas. Uh, Only the team where Paul Freire was part of the team, they drove a little bit uh, slower. They did better calculations, maybe based on on Paul Freire's understanding of aerodynamics and how this relates to Mm -hmm. the usage of gas. So uh, they not uh, went out of gas. They went earlier into the pits. And due to this... uh, they uh, had been the only uh, surviving uh, craft of the Ferrari company. So, even if he got this, this answer from uh, his boss, I mean, at the end, uh, he was completely correct, uh, related his remarks against aerodynamics. And uh, e- even if he wasn't, uh, uh, let say, a, a big uh, Enzo and uh, Paul not have been friends uh and so at a high level of respect and invited him many times to join uh formula one but also uh more of these long endurance races like the 24 hours of limo
0: yeah i think i also want to say about paul, paul fair uh, that uh, he um, <laughs> i mean he a little bit reminds me of Niki lauda um, when you read you know when you read uh obviously i haven't seen many interviews but uh yeah, I think um, if you kind of add the, so Niki Lauda I think was also kind of this very driven and fast person, I mean, but at the same time, there's all this kind of analytics in mind of how, you know how you calculate the risk of engaging or not engaging, given the weather uh, of, uh, you know, how you calculate the petrol, how you calculate uh, the engine run, how you calculate everything. Uh, So in that sense, I think Paul Freire is kind of the predecessor of this type of person in in Formula One competition. And also, so that's one thing. And second thing that I want to emphasize here is, uh, again, the decision making of the driver and how much freedom you had. So currently, we observe kind of... um, Uh, drivers being sometimes picked uh, based on sponsorships and, uh, you know, even teams have very kind of limited, uh, (laughs) limited opportunities sometimes of selecting. I mean, uh, smaller teams, of course, not big teams have uh, have all the freedom, but uh, smaller teams sometimes, you know, given... Given sponsorships, they have to take uh, particular drivers I mean and sometimes you're wondering why is this guy still driving like after all of the all of the things that happened uh, um, and and, and uh, you know uh, yeah, so that that happens because the current decision making about who drives is is a very complicated decision. Is is re- literally the complexity of it is 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 is, uh, is huge. Uh, and uh, back in the day, it was you know if you had a, uh, an opportunity, probably you know with some funding and uh, a little bit of luck, you could probably just uh, give it a go. You know, and and um, I think also Paul Freres, uh, he he strikes me as a person who kind of like started on this uh, complete enthusiasm, and then eventually, <laughs> eventually got this uh, got got this affiliation with Ferrari, where he could actually test his talent as a as an as, you know as an analytics expert essentially that 's what what his his contribution was, oh, yeah. so and oh. his advice uh, was quite valuable i think to Enzo Ferrari, despite all his skepticism about you know everything but engines yeah. so yeah so and people like that and also it showed cases um, how people like that um, can bring something something like a new vision, right? Thinking outside the box, thinking differently from the management and how it could contribute to getting the, the, the best result. Uh, definitely worked for Ferrari that season, so, <laughs> yeah.
1: Good.
0: Yeah, behavior, mm-hmm. behavior. Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, to me uh, again. So um, I mean, the this is really a season of one person. <laughs> I was gonna like, I was gonna say in in leg on legacy on legacy part. It's like one man show almost. <laughs> That's the legacy of the season. But um, yeah, apart from, apart from Fangio, I think it's also. Uh, uh definitely i want to mention uh, sterling moss and uh yeah in in terms of um, and 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 uh, l- like we said before peter collins and i think also we see here how um we start we start to have this kind of battle of ages mm. to emerge in, in the sport where you have kind of younger guys and older guys and everybody, everybody kind of wants to win. So that's in that sense, it's quite cool. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, notable wins, I don't know. I mean, I would uh, go for Indianapolis uh, this season because I think it was a very difficult to race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what, what you would pick, Patrick, but yeah, to me, it's Indianapolis. Well,
1: from my driving point, I, I agree. I, um...
0: Maybe Belgium is compatible. Yeah, from,
1: also from a driving point, uh, I mean, for me, um, it was um, not, maybe not a very emotional uh, season, but a very logical one from the start that the best driver chose the best team and the best team wanted to have the best driver. And uh, accordingly, they did their whole strategy, uh, uh, focusing on their number one driver, letting him three times changing uh, the car and uh, up to the final that they have chosen that uh, he should uh, get the car and uh, make enough uh, points in, in Monza. so i think it was a very strategical uh, logical season
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so from the point of view of notable accidents i would just say that luckily that season uh, I mean, we had enough (laughs) accidents in 1955. Uh, So probably 1956 was extremely, uh, yeah, it it, it was, well, not extremely safe, but let's just say people took caution. Uh, uh, But again, like we had uh, incidents like in, um, you know, in, in, in in Monaco right and 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 uh, with with Fangio and uh, with you know uh, 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 other people throughout the season but yeah i think uh, to me uh, like I, I would say there was no like big notable accident that season to mention so um, but but uh, uh, yeah So, but yeah, and strategically, strategically, I'd say that, yeah, it was uh, just a very, very good season for Ferrari. Um, And obviously, I mean, again, we are coming back to this thought uh, uh, throughout 1950s that really it's a combination of skill and luck. So you have to be lucky. So in a sense, Ferrari was lucky that Mercedes wasn't racing, uh, despite, you know, Ferrari being a great team. And um, you know they were—they uh, also managed to score uh, the best uh, driving talent. Uh, but at the same time, but at the same time, like you mentioned, the tensions between Fangio and the Ferrari <laughs> probably didn't help. Uh, so and uh, you know you also saw kind of a mixture of Maserati and and, and Ferrari uh, uh, driven by Fangio so it was uh, probably also not out of a very good (laughs) relationship with Ferrari and uh, all of that Uh, but it tells you how also how you know you can despite all the differences you can put them aside and, and just work towards a common goal if you have it and uh uh, exactly. Achieve uh, top results. Yeah.
1: Completely uh, agree with you. And uh, yeah, one and man, man show
0: for me. It's uh, one. Man <laughs> the answer for this for to this question for me is one man show. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, I, I mean for me, it's um, the beginning of a strategy. As I said. Uh, You see now the sports is becoming more professional and maybe also the money is is getting more so uh, for me it's the beginning of the sports becoming more professional as they're having a clear strategy which they uh, used from race one until the the final and uh, with this uh, Ferrari, show, had been successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you think you think it's kind of more commercial commercialization and of sport and kind of not uh, only
1: commercialization but professionalism. Prof-
0: professionalism, I mean,
1: uh, I mean Ferrari uh, at that time, they not only uh, had been de- there to get the, uh, the money, but uh, more important, uh, same as with Maserati Mercedes before is they uh, they also used the racing to sell their own cars.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, um, Yeah, definitely very interesting season. And I agree would be very cool to do the calculations of alternative results. Uh, We'll (laughs) do that for next time for in kind of at the beginning of uh, the episode for 1957 season, we will um, definitely show you this, this calculation.
1: That's good and with this uh, we're coming to the end uh, for the case you're seeing us on uh, youtube just for you to know we also have uh, this as an audio only as a podcast for example if you are let's say you're traveling you can you can uh, hear to uh, us uh, in your workout if you're sitting in the train while you're driving in the car if you're driving please consider that you are not a fun show and
0: <laughs> yeah definitely
1: and of course you also can follow us uh, on twitter
0: yeah i have to say uh, uh, many thanks to patrick for making this uh, the podcast version happen because uh, (laughs) i'm completely like i'm I'm sort of one platform person in in terms of like producing content i only know how to produce uh, content for youtube but um Yeah, so uh, it's good to see that we have uh, now the podcast version and... uh um indeed you you probably uh, like one of i think uh one one of the drawbacks of podcasters that you will not see the visuals that uh, accommodate uh kind of uh, this all this uh, or, or showcase the different uh car makes and uh you know the pre- presentation that we have for you we prepare for you uh each week uh, so um but um, if you wanted to to know what things look like, then by all means also check out the YouTube uh, episode. Uh, but yeah, indeed, that's it's, I think it's very convenient to just uh, to just listen to things. And thank you so much for um, for staying with us and for um, supporting this series. So thanks yep. a lot. And thanks, thanks to lot. Patrick again <laughs> for for, for, for making that too. happen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so uh, that is basically, yeah, uh, t- with, with that, we will leave you with this 1956 season. And as, as usual, we encourage you to not just take a word for it, but uh, go and discover yourself, read, read books and uh, um, go to museums, uh, go to virtual tours and museums in the current conditions just to find out and... Um, find out uh, for yourself like what it is and uh, how it works and uh, what you can take out uh, in in terms of information but definitely do pay attention to uh, the history of sport not just like what is going on at the moment you need to understand how it all came about (laughs) yeah so thanks a lot and yeah we'll see you next time
1: thank you have a nice day